You're always kind of known for your calm demeanor. How did you react to seeing this? <laughs> oh my God. Um, I said back, way back when, once uh, I believe it was, you cannot be serious. Um, I've been told by my wife never to say that again. But I've got to say that when I saw that, I definitely screamed that as loud as I could. Uh, you can't make this up. This is uh, beyond belief. 8.02 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. That was the voice of tennis legend John McEnroe on the Manning cast last Monday night when Aaron Rodgers of the New York Jets, of whom John McEnroe is a long-suffering fan, Lasted four snaps, four plays as a New York Jet before suffering a season-ending Achilles tear. You could really sense the disappointment in Mac's voice there. That not only did he have to react live in the moment on air to this devastating injury as a personal attachment, a longtime Jets fan... The disappointment was palpable. So we've actually had two Jets fans on the show today. We forgot to ask Wish. And yeah, Tyler. Wish is a big New York Jets fan, but we forgot to ask him about Aaron Rodgers. The first hour was a mess. Yeah, yeah. Fruit flies great. everywhere. I was dumping my coffee, mm-hmm. trying to figure out my mic. The mic didn't work, and then the headset stopped working. It was a, it was a real disaster. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. Yeah, yeah. Pets' Def- heads were falling off. Yeah. Definitely go back and uh, download hour one of the podcast on Apple, mm. Google, or Spotify, I wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, before we get to John McEnroe. That's right. John McEnroe will be joining us shortly to talk a little Labor Cup, among other things. Uh, let's attend to some business. One, Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of this program, featuring John McEnroe, is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintec.net. Finally, a reminder, we are giving away tickets to see Adam Sandler's stand-up tour, which begins this October, October 12th. That's a Thursday, and it begins right here in Vancouver at Rogers Arena. Hashtag WWL. That's a what we learned. Send it into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Now add a ticket emoji to that what we learned, and you will be entered into a grand prize draw to win a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler begin his new North American stand-up tour October 12th. That's a Thursday night right here in Vancouver. Speaking of things, come into Vancouver this weekend. The 2023 Labor Cup begins on Friday. Three-day tournament. The best team of six tennis players, World versus Europe. The co-captain of Team World joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It is John McEnroe here on the Halford and Bruff Show. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, you guys. I'll take two tickets to the Adam Sandler Show. Done. Sorry, yes. everybody. The contest is over. John McEnroe oh. wants the tickets. John McEnroe gets the Former tickets. star of Mr. Deeds. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Thank you for remembering. Yeah, I think I think it'd be great for Adams. You know, does it all. I mean, he's a good, damn good musician too. I don't know. Most people don't realize that. Well, I mean, we're kind of excited because there's a lot of stuff coming through Vancouver. You mentioned Sandler's coming through mid October. The Labor Cup 
arrives in Vancouver this weekend. So just to set the stage here, Team World won the first won their first ever Labor Cup in London in 2022. Otherwise, it's been Team Europe dominated. They won the first four editions, Prague 2017, Chicago 2018, Geneva, and then Boston. So set the stage here for the rivalry because it's not a tennis exhibition here. These guys are going out to win for real. What do you and your brother feel with regards to pressure, the need to win, given that Team Europe has had a real run of this thing over the last few years? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, we're excited to be in Vancouver. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a lot of crowd support because they're part of the world. We just got to remind them that they're hopefully on our side. And you got guys like Felix, who uh, OJ Aliassime was Canadian, you know, and he struggled this year. So I think it's going to be big for a lot of guys, you know, guys that were had disappointing U.S. Opens, guys that thought they should have done more, and guys that are, you know, trying to make their mark. And, you know, some of the top guys on Europe aren't there, so I think I like our chances. Uh, we, we got some players like Taylor Fritz just came off his best run at the Open. We got Francis Tiafo. Uh, we may have lost the call there. We'll try and – oh, sorry, John, do we have you back? Can you hear me? I yep. can hear you, now. Hear you now. Yeah, you just finished talking. That's okay. You just finished talking about uh, Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo. Uh, we got Fritz. We got Tiafo. Tommy Paul and Ben Shelton, who's you know come on strong. So to me, I like our chances more than any year we played. So I'm I'm thinking with some crowd support, and you know the form of some of our players, uh, we're going to be in good shape. You mentioned two things there. One, Felix Ojeda-Aliassim, and two, guys that had disappointing U.S. Opens. Has it just been a disappointing U.S. Open for Felix? It's been a tough year overall, but he is coming back on Canadian soil and gets a chance to play in front of his home country. What have your conversations been like with Felix in the lead-up to the Labor Cup? Uh, my conversations are, first of all, he was our MVP last year, so I didn't want him to forget that. Right. And that we need him. Um, you know, it's been really tough for him. You know, I've had a couple of conversations through the year. He, he has such high expectations for himself. And he's put, you know, to me, too much, it's easy for me to say, too much pressure on himself. And sometimes that gets in your head and then subsequently gets in your body. So he's just got to sort of take a step back, in my opinion, look at the position he's in. Okay, this has been a bummer for the most part. But I believe by the, you know, this time next year, you're going to see Felix back in the top 10. What is the adjustment that young players normally have to make? Like they come up and everyone's talking about them and, you know, oh, he could be the next one or, uh, you know, he has so much talent. He's got a great story. And then the struggles usually occur around the age that Felix is. So why is that 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 happens? Well, that can, you know, it depends on the person. Alcaraz, you know, went on and, you know, he's playing unbelievable. He's, you know, number two in the world and has won two majors. So it depends on the person. But if you look at Felix specifically, he had made some great progress. After Labor Cup last year, he went on a tear, won three tournaments, got to, I believe, it's six in the world before Australia. So then it was, to me, I thought he had a great chance of winning a major this year. And I think, you know, he put that type of pressure on himself. And he was unlucky. He had some, you know, illnesses. He was hurt, you know. And so you got to factor that in. But he's got to regroup and, you know, he's got to find his competitive juices again. You know, that desire to, you know, work hard every point. And that's something that you sometimes you get a little bit. And I'm speaking just for myself, but that fear of failure gets in there. 
And, you know, you think you should make the step, next step because you look at, like, these legends like Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, how, how the hell do they keep winning? And then how come I'm not winning any? And that gets in these young guys' heads. So uh, that's been part of the issue. And then all of a sudden, you know, Nadal's out. Roger's retired. So it's, you know, Felix is thinking, hey, this is my time. Mm-hmm. So this has been very disappointing for him that he hasn't been able to sort of rise to the occasion yet. I still think he will, though. Let's talk about the Labor Cup as an event. It's only been around since 2017. So the people that are attending or they're thinking of going and checking it out at Rogers Arena, how is the Labor Cup different from a Grand Slam? Well, first of all, a Grand Slam is an individual event where 128 players play. You need seven wins and a best of five set. This format is something akin to, say, the Ryder Cup. That's like the goal. You bring a legend like our Babe Ruth. Uh, Babe Ruth is popular in Canada. We're familiar with his work. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, you, you know, the all-time great in the sport. And Rod Laver was that. He was my idol, millions of people idol. Then you get a partnership with him and Roger Federer, who's, you know, the all, most beautiful player and one of the all-time great players. And to me things are changing. Uh, the landscape's changing in tennis. Davis Cup, which meant a lot to me, is not what it used to be. Uh, no one even even asked me about Davis Cup anymore. Then these, these other team events that people you know realize, hey, this is interesting for tennis because for the most part, it's an individual sport. Labor Cup should be cherished by anyone that's involved in, in our sport. But instead, there's factions you know, going at it, different people some want to see it succeed, others don't. And I think it's really important for our sport, in my opinion, whether I'm the captain or not in a year or two or whatever the future holds, that an event like this doesn't get torn up by the powers that be. That's the problem with tennis, in my opinion. They keep fighting each other. And meanwhile, we're not getting the type of recognition, the top players and the type of level of interest that I think we could. Uh, explain why someone would not want to see the Labor Cup succeed. That seems odd to me. Uh, the, lab, the only reason anyone wouldn't want to be in Labor Cup is scheduling. You know, there's, the, the players are scheduled to go to Asia, I believe, you know, China, Japan. Um, they've just come off Davis Cup, which is inexplic- inexplicably is the week before. So there's a lot of European players. There could be players like Carlos Alcaraz, who's just a kid. He's 20. He's, you know, played a lot of tennis. They have to protect his body. I, I know all players want to play, but that, that gets in the middle of it. Um, and so, unfortunately, it needs to be in a time frame, more of a standalone time frame, like the Ryder Cup. You don't any, hear any golfers saying, I'm not playing because I've got to go to, you know, Asia the next week. But, unfortunately, in our sport, um, and, and, and the other factor uh, is that there, there's no points, you know, which helps with rankings, you know, for guys that maybe struggled, like, like we'll take Felix, you know, he could come out and, you know, do a number on a couple of players like he did last year, but he won't get any, he won't, it won't help his rankings. So that's why a couple, some other players aren't playing. Can the Davis cup and Laver cup both be successful? And, and by the way, Canada wins the Davis cup. And apparently according to you, it's not important now. Like, come on. <laughs> Well, listen, Canada won the Davis Cup, which was a high high moment for Felix and great for Canada and Dennis. And, you know, I coached Milos. Um, 
So it was great to see Canada win one. I was part of, I, I'm proud to say I was part of five teams. You want to know the last time when someone asked me how many Davis Cups I won? 20 years ago. <laughs> no one asked me about Davis Cup. I hate to say it because it was a big part of my career. I chose not to go to the Australian Open on a number of occasions to represent my country, and I'm proud that I did. But re- meanwhile, it's on life support right now. So um, if something is not done, they keep trying to do some other things. Everything has failed. The players you know, aren't committing the way they used to. And the way it's scheduled right now, I don't believe both uh, will succeed. As a matter of fact, I think both of them won't succeed if they keep at this level. We're speaking to a tennis legend, John McEnroe, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, as we continue to discuss you know, the, the different tournaments that are going on, the way that tennis might look different, and you mentioned the Davis Cup 20 years ago is a different entity than it is right now. Some pe- I, I saw this quote from your brother in the lead-up press for the Labor Cup, and he said he was talking about when he's asked by people that maybe aren't necessarily in the know if the Labor Cup is sort of a quote-unquote exhibition. What is your response to when people ask you if the Labor Cup is an exhibition? Well, first of all, they're playing for an incredible amount of money, uh, the individual players, uh, if they win. You know, it's crazy. You know, m- most people would, you know, their mouths would be open. So the idea that they wouldn't go out there and compete at 100% is ludicrous. Um, and hopefully pride is, it gets in the way. I mean, you want it to be a, a great tennis event uh, that, you know, gets people interested. You saw the Open last couple weeks. There was a lot of, you know, even people were coming out from all different sports. And there was a lot of interest, a lot of celebrities, you know, coming out. It had a buzz to it. And that's that's what the Labor Cup needs. But Anyone that's seen the Labor Cup, this is going to be the sixth time that I've been part of it. I think it'd be very easy to see that this is not an exhibition whatsoever. What is the feel of a Labor Cup compared to a regular tennis tournament? Like I've, I, I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I'm not all that familiar with the tournament. When I heard it came to, it was coming to Vancouver. I'm like, oh, I got to look into this. It seems to be like a, li- a little more glitz and glamour, maybe some light shows, uh, as opposed to you know the traditions of Wimbledon. I think that it's a, it's a little bit of like, hey, the different color court. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same court. But in your, they're trying to do something different. I give Roger and his manager, Tony Godzik, who came up with this idea, along with Rod Labor, a lot of credit for trying to, God forbid, do something different. And the difference is, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what's comparable. It's like, you know, the Masters, uh, when the golfers go play the Masters, as compared to Ryder Cup, which they're going to play next weekend, mm-hmm. and Wimbledon and Labor Cup. That's the goal, you know, to have that same type of – it's different. You know, you're, you're playing a quicker format. It's only two sets and a third set, 10-point tiebreaker. So things happen faster. You're encouraging the crowd to be more involved, maybe a little louder, which I think is a good thing in, in our sport. We could use that sometimes. And, and it's, it's, you, so far it's proven to be, a, to me, a very exciting event. So, John, you're the captain of Team World. Bjorn Borg is the captain of Team Europe. Um, what was it like having such a famous rivalry with a player like Bjorn Borg, and you know, you, you you probably get asked, "What was your best match ever?" And there was probably a few matches that you could think of. But 
just the the rivalry. I mean, you must have felt kind of lucky that you had a player that you could have these great finals against and have these marathon matches um, because it helped your legacy as well. Uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Absolutely true. I mean, I, when I was younger, he's two and a half years older than me. I remember seeing Bjorn at Wimbledon, all these girls, you know, screaming and yelling and <laughs> going, oh, my God, I, they were trying to get close to him. And I was a kid as a ball boy back at Forest Hills in New York. And I'm like, I want to be a professional tennis player. And then to be able to compete against one of the all-time greats and to play him in two straight Wimbledon finals and two straight U.S. Open finals was unbelievable. And something that, you know, absolutely, I'm extremely proud to be part of my legacy. As a matter of fact, my, you know, most famous match by far is the match I played against Bjorn in 1980 at Wimbledon, which I lost. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was considered to be, you know, uh, one of the great matches played. And that's something that, as an athlete, you can't ask for anything more than that. You know, it was a rival. He was a rival I wish had played longer. You know, to me, it was too short. You know, his last major... He was 25 years old when we played in the 1981 U.S. Open. So it was really, it, it, it shook me up when he quit. And so uh, the sport hasn't done enough to sort of understand what is best for players week in and week out. Um, you look at, uh, we, we get off tangent here, but Naomi Osaka with the mental the health and the talk about that and the pandemic exacerbated that. Well, this has been going on for a long time. And he didn't have the support that he needed at the time, Bjorn, in my opinion. And so that uh, was a a huge bummer for me and a huge bummer for tennis. And so um, hopefully at some point we'll learn from it. Um, This is probably the toughest question that I'm going to ask you, but you're also friends with another Swedish athlete in Henrik Lundqvist. Who is the more handsome of the two, Henrik Lundqvist or Bjorn Borg? (laughs) You know, that's a tough call. You know, they both uh, were A-pluses, basically. And, you know, I'm, I remember Bjorn wearing the fur coat a la Joe Namath and Walt Frazier, who was a great basketball player. And we, in the 70s, that was considered, hey, that was, you know, awesome. And But he had a flair and a taste. But Henrik is up, you know, I'll tell you, Henrik is world class. There's no question. I mean, he's got those natty suits. He dresses up and, he's, you know, he has, he's aging very gracefully. We are speaking to John McEnroe here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. John, of course, is going to be in Vancouver this weekend with the Labor Cup. Uh, Since we've already asked you about the handsomeness of a former professional hockey goalie, why not ask you about the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, the New York Jets, and your long-suffering fandom as a Jets supporter? What was it like? So we played the audio, actually, coming back from break. You doing the Manning cast with Peyton and Eli for Monday Night Football, and then... In real time, all of you have to witness this catastrophic injury season ending for Rodgers. As a Jets fan, as as someone who actually interviewed Rodgers, what were you going through in that moment when you realized that this is a serious injury and that the Jets jinx continues? Uh, You know, it was just, uh, it's hard to describe how much of a bummer it was because I went and saw Aaron. I hadn't met him, actually. Obviously, I knew him from the past. He's an incredible quarterback and I always liked him and then he comes to the Jets I mean a little similar what Brett Favre did years ago but this he he sort of convinced me in that interview when I went out there he had me pumped up and you could tell Peyton was super pumped up too everyone was it was just unbelievable to see you know have it on 9-11 to be in the Meadowlands against Buffalo was unbelievable 
you know, and I think Peyton and Eli's show is great. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're sitting there. I'm coming on early in the second quarter. And then the first quarter, we're looking. And, you know, we didn't know the severity of it. Like, at the time I did it, as the more looks that people got, obviously, they got that angle. It was just, you know, made you want to throw up. And then it just felt like, oh, my God, there's, you know, there, we're cursed. You know, it's like the, the Red Sox, I guess. Um, but then they overcame it, you know, at some point. You know, we always thought the Boston Red Sox would never win a World <laughs> Series, and, and somehow they did it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know what to think right now. It's, it's an unbelievable bummer. Um, and I, you, you just feel horrible for him. Uh, so uh, more importantly than, you know, obviously I've always been a Jets fan. Joe Namath was one of my idols. But uh, when you see something like that happen to a legendary player, that just sucks. Well, I hope the Jets get over the hump one day. I hope the Vancouver Canucks, speaking of cursed teams, get over the hump one day. Um, they've lost to a couple New York teams in the Islanders and the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final. I'm sure That's you enjoyed true. that 94 one, but uh, tough yeah. times for us in Vancouver. But we're really looking forward to uh, the Labor Cup and looking forward to you being in town. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today, John. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, come it. Come on out and check it out. I think you'll like it. Uh, the tournament begins on Friday, runs throughout the weekend. You can see the iconic blacked-out court uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, John McEnroe, tennis legend here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned Labor Cup, and now i got to mention that another big name has dropped out of it. Uh, the Actually, the highest-seeded player that was going to be in Vancouver, Holger Rune. The Dane has dropped out after, I think he suffered a back, I want to say a back injury at the U.S. Open, but he's out as well. So, is he Danish or Norwegian? Uh, what flag is that? <laughs> no, it's a Danish flag. Okay. Yeah. Bastion of education here on the Health and Abrupt Show. <laughs> That's not, hey, the flags are similar. The Norwegian flag is red with a blue cross. The Danish flag is red with a white cross. Right, right. Totally within the realm of saying, I don't, I got to look. Oh, it's Casper Rude. That's, uh. Norwegian, Norwegian right? And he's got yeah. the, he's got the what cross in his flag? Uh, the blue cross. There you go. And well, Hol- it's, I mean, Holga Rune, Rude. Uh, yeah, I know that's what I'm It was definitely going on here. It's definitely within the scope of I got to check this flag real quick. I think it'll be a cool exhibition. Um, and I and I and I hate to use that word because John will probably he would push back on that. Patrick McEnroe is going to smash you over the head with a tennis racket. Like it's Jim hard Cornette. to create. It's hard to create traditions. You know, when John McEnroe says they're playing for a lot of money, a lot of them already have a lot of money. Sure, right? Guys are choosing to miss this tournament, and it's one of these things. And uh, you know, I, I I feel bad because I want this tournament to be successful because Vancouver's hosting it, and if it's not successful, that's not good news for Vancouver. Like Vancouver doesn't get the best reputation because of that. Yeah. I want it to be successful, but when you start something, mm-hmm. sometimes it struggles for the first little bit, and there's got to be there's got to be more than money to attract it. There has to be some sort of hook, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the like we talk about this, like the NHL All Star Game. They said they uh, okay, we're gonna make we're gonna give you money to try harder mm-hmm. in the All Star Game, and it worked for like a year when they went to three on three, and then it devolved because guys were like, well, I'm already rich, right? And, and no one else is skating hard. Doesn't matter. I don't care who wins this thing, yeah. right? Okay. So that's that's the challenge. Like it's like the FedEx Cup in golf. They're like throw so much money at that, and then people are like, "When is this over?" And the Ryder Cup starts. Yeah, this is a really interesting thing that they're doing because the landscape has changed in tennis so dramatically. I know we're up against it for break, but I do want to go something I'd been thinking about with regards to this. So 
Growing up, and I think you'll probably either remember or agree with me, tennis was very prominent from a national media perspective. I, I, massive. I subscribe. You know, okay, and the yeah. reason why, and this uh, not to be like this is just the natural xenophobia, I suppose, is because there were bona fide best players in the world from North America, specifically America. Connors and McEnroe were the only Americans, really. Right. There wasn't, a, I mean, <laughs> Stefan Edberg, or sorry, Steph, when Stefan Edberg lost to Daniel Nestor, like that was the big moment for Canadian tennis. Anyway, I remember, like, I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated. Routinely, there would be a cover man at that point that was the best tennis player in the world, and he was American. And we're talking about, mm-hmm. they went from Connors and McEnroe, who, like, growing up were celebrities. Big time. They, they weren't Big athletes, time. they were celebrities. Then it went to Sampras and Agassi, who were also celebrities. Mm-hmm. And the and if you want to know what that means, it's like when they start doing commercials for like Nikon cameras or <laughs> Clearasil or whatever. And they're like they they they're front men and they're pitch men, right? And then there was a 25 year window where the best tennis players in the world were Swiss, Spanish, and Serbian. Mm-hmm. And American tennis was a complete non-fact. You remember Andy Roddick? Andy Roddick got a push to be a celebrity. He won one major. Yeah. Grand Slam, sorry. I like Andy Roddick because he was the first cool Andy. It made me happy about my name. He was the first cool Andy. But I thought, well, I didn't know who Andy... The, to hell you. I didn't know Andy who the Griffith. other Andy Cole was yeah, when I was yeah. a kid. I didn't watch soccer. Poor I, Andy Griffith. Yeah, Andy. Well, I wasn't of my era, so I mean, you know, I, I can't comment on that. Like, it was way before my time, but I remember Andy Roddick being like, yes, a cool Andy. But the interesting thing about Roddick was he had the look... Right? He had the celebrity girlfriend. Mm. He was a good tennis player. Needs the wins. <laughs> but then he came up in this era where there were three amazing players. Like, through no fault of his own, yeah. he probably maximized as good of a player he could be. Just wasn't going to be Djokovic, um, Nadal, did, or Federer. Also, but, did, did you call yes. it Nikon cameras? I think so. I'm going to rewind yeah. the tape first. No, is it not, yeah. is I was, was going to point it out, but yeah. Halford sometimes, yeah, it's, I would call it Nikon. It's Nikon. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. sure. You don't take I'm glad that that was the one takeaway that we had. Well, I just, I've never, I've literally never Nikon. heard someone mispronounce Nikon before. It's a breaking new ground for me. It's not mispronouncing; it's new pronunciation. <laughs> Alternative pronunciation. Alternative pronunciation. Yes, thank you. Uh, get your what we learns in. We'll read a couple on the other side. Text them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.34 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Uh, hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. It is what we learned time. I love this song. It lends itself to so many things. There is a fruit fly. 
I was hoping to be able to add, and now he's dead. Yeah, now he's dead. I think he killed it. And there's another. <laughs> yeah, fruit flies. Is oh, not, God, they're swarming. There's a reason they say fruit flies. You yeah. never hear about a fruit fly. There's never singular. just one fruit yeah, fly. Yeah, there's a million of them. Trust me, I know. I leave garbage out a lot. Okay. Uh, garbage goes in the garbage can. Uh, I cannot stress this enough, Halford. Or failing that, a cool, wet sack. Oh, that's for your milk, not your garbage. I learned that because there's fruit flies around my milk now. Okay. Uh, we're going to do what we learned. We're going to start. Laddie, you said you had one, I do have correct? One. Why don't we start with Laddie? We never start okay. with Okay. Uh, <laughs> there was quite a weekend in Div 2 college hockey. Baylor University played the University of Houston two times. Did not know they both had hockey programs. They won the first game Baylor did, 20 to 1. Wow. They won the second game, 27 0. Hmm. They outshot them tw- 202 to 13 in the two games. This is club hockey, correct? Essentially, yes. Right. Div 2 club hockey. ACHA Div 2 college hockey. And this, the combined score was what? 46 to uh, 1? 47 to 1 over the weekend. So, yeah, so that happened. <laughs> well, so either Baylor has an amazing club team. <laughs> That's what it is. I think they who can go the Div 1. Baylor and who? Houston? University of uh, Houston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Houston's got to do a little better recruiting there. I do wonder about, because there's... ASU went from being a club team to a full-fledged bona fide uh, Div 1 team. Mm-hmm. Right? I do wonder... I think there are some good club teams out yeah, there. Yeah, and I think the goal for a lot of them is to expand... Because okay, traditionally, college hockey in the U.S. was the three M's. If mm-hmm. I remember. It was Massachusetts, Minnesota, and Michigan. Right? That was it. That's where all the college hockey was played. <laughs> right. And as you saw the... Well, on Gary Bettman's big claim to fame, you know... Expanding the game mm-hmm. to non-traditional hockey markets in the U.S., you'd figure that the trickle-down effect at some point would be more collegiate programs. Yeah, uh, across the, but it's it's been a little bit slow of a. There's takeoff, a lot of different right? divisions, and I, I feel like some of the divisions are a lot weaker than the other divisions. So yeah, they kind I've of had some friends play way. in for club hockey down there. I had a friend that went to law school actually at Gonzaga, mm-hmm. and they were doing a road trip to play. I think UW. Oh, and he called me. He's like, "We need players. Do you want to play?" I'm like. I do not. That's not a great sign yeah. for the program. Uh, yeah, so I think in different schools, it's it's uh, taken uh, at various levels of talent and sure. seriousness. Uh, Mukow. So I learned, as I go next, that <laughs> the ramifications from everything that happened at the FIBA World Cup are happening right now. First, I do want to mention that the most recent FIBA rankings came out. Kudos to Canada. Jump, made a huge jump. Uh, they are now all the way up to number six in the world. Take that, world. We're coming for you. That's got to be our highest in history, right? Yeah, they went nine spots. They came into that tournament at 15th. Again, mm-hmm. it's much like FIFA. Like, FIFA rankings are one thing, and then how you do in the competitions like the World Cup. You would think, like, you win the World Cup, you automatically go to number one, but it doesn't work like that, right? So number one is still the U.S., even though they finished fourth at the FIFA World Cup. They lost to Canada in the bronze medal game, you know? USA, that Canada beat them. Sham rankings. For, for a bronze. I don't agree with this at all. Uh, so U.S., Spain, Germany, Australia are your top four. So Serbia finishes second at the World Cup. They go to five. Canada's in sixth. Now, here's the interesting thing. The biggest faller was France. Now, you remember France had a devastating mm, terrible. World Cup. So France is not messing around anymore. The other news that I learned is that yesterday... Uh, Victor Wembanyama, the highly touted, highly prized first overall pick of the San Antonio Spurs at last year's draft, said 100% he's going to be playing for France at the 2024 Olympics, which is not surprising because they're in, you know, 
France. They're going to be in Paris. So this is going to be a really interesting dynamic because Wemby will have had his first major exposure in North America playing his rookie year. And then he goes and joins the French team. I'm trying to think this isn't going to be quite Brazil hosting the World Cup and the amount of pressure Mm -hmm. that was on them in 2014. But this Spanish or sorry, this French team hosting the Olympics only getting in as hosts because they flamed out so badly at the FIBA World Cup. Like, it makes this Olympics even more exciting. Right. I'm already excited Is for this. Is Wemby going to make an immediate, immediate impact in the NBA? I think so. Yeah. I really, just because he's so, so unique athletically. Because remember we were having the conversation, this was a few months ago, and we, we asked the question, all right, who's going to make a bigger impact? Is it going to be Wemby or Connor Bedard? And we were all on Wemby, right? Yeah, like, and I still stand, I still think that's right. Right. Yeah. Just, Did he maybe look a little shaky in the Vegas games? The thing with the Vegas games was for whatever maybe shaky moments or question marks you had, there was also things that he did where you're like, did I just see that? Right. He just does things that other people can't do mm-hmm. because he's... Like be that tall. <laughs> yeah. And that fluid. And that good. Yeah. And like shooting one-legged running three-pointers because mm-hmm. it's a normal thing. Like other people shoot them because the clock's running down or they're like, ah, I'm from half court. He just does it in the course of a game because it comes naturally to him. He's going to be able to block shots and finish things around the rim that other guys just won't be able to because he's so athletic, he's so coordinated, he's so fluid, and he's seven foot. Five. Think of all the pressure that's going to be on him, uh, just in general. So you've, he's got the generational tag yeah. that's being put on him, and in the NBA, you know, one player, one elite player has more of an impact than one elite player does exactly. in hockey. But there's also the fact that the Olympics are in Paris. And he's coming into this team. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, don't worry about what happened at the Worlds because Wemby wasn't there. Now we get him for the Olympics. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of pressure just in, just in his first year of being, um, I guess he was professional, right? Correct. Played on Tony Parker's team in France. Right. He owned the team. Okay. Mook how that Frenchman. <laughs> All right, uh, let's fire up the dot matrix. Well, no, 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 hold on. Oh, I've wait, got you got, I've one. got one. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I, I went too quick. I fired it off. I came fast. dangerously close to firing it off. Yeah, I know. Good thing you held back. Yeah. It's yeah. always a problem. I learned that Ryan Reeves is talking a big game in Toronto. The Leafs have the tough player in Ryan Reeves, and he was talking about how uh, maybe a lack of grit has been part of the problem or a lack of pushback. Now, remember when Florida beat the Leafs in the second round of the playoffs? <laughs> we funny. want Florida. And Radko <laughs> Gudis, there's a famous picture of Radko Gudis celebrating and yelling, essentially, at who was the Leafs goalie in at that point? Joseph, Joseph Wall. Wall. Joe okay. Wall. Yeah. Um, so Ryan Reeves was asked about that, and here was his response. I don't know if you saw that picture at the end of last year, Radko Gouda standing over Joseph Wall and mm-hmm. yelling in his face, uh, not to point out that particular incident, but uh, less of that, I'm sure, is what you want to bring to well, I hope he tries that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be fun. I, I doubt there's going to be any of that here. Did that reporter say not to point out that particular instance? Well, right pointing. after what right after particularly pointing out yeah. that one interest. Just ask the question. Yeah. You know what? You already said it. <laughs> Just own it. So we say no offense, and then you immediately go and offend the person you're talking to. Um for the record, I'm a I love Ryan Reeves. I love everything that he's about. I think it's great. He's a great uh experience on uh, Bar Rescue. Yeah, him and, him and H. Schmidt. 
they were buddies. They were awesome on that episode. Yeah. Do you think he might be a little much though sometimes? Because like he says, uh, this is a quote, uh, and it's talking about him chirping guys on his own team, like you know, like just busting balls or whatever. He says, "I come in pretty hot. I tend to just chirp people right away and then gauge their reaction, but um, I don't really shy into it." Um, Sometimes that can backfire a little. Who's this guy? That's fine, but I, he, at least he owns it. Yeah. He, I mean, he makes no... Uh, there's no subtleties with Ryan Reeves about what Ryan right. Reeves is about to do. And for the record, I like Ryan Reeves, too. Yeah, and pe- th- there are teams that go... like A lot of NHL teams have gone out of their way to acquire him. Mm-hmm. And so he's thinking, well, why would I either downplay or change anything that I've done because it's a valuable commodity. He's one of the because, few guys left in the league that does that too. Like there's so few guys. Well, left. you need good, you need yeah. guys that add some energy and some fun to the room. And that's actually something Rick Tockett has said about the Canucks. They got, they got a quiet room. Yeah. Too and that's why dads in that room. And Even frankly, that's, animals. that's why JT Miller is valued. And that's why JT Miller, you know, if he is, um, maybe more supportive of his teammates in all in all occasions or maybe a little more composed in certain situations, like he could be such a valuable veteran presence. Because whenever I hear JT Miller speaking, I'm like, this guy's wise. Yep. Like he he just he and and I think he would be the type of guy that would Add some energy to a room. Yeah. Do the Canucks need to trade for a party animal? No. See, that's go the out thing. of the way. Like one specific. Yeah, just bring back trade? Shane O'Brien or yeah, something. Yeah, we need no. a party. Well, animal. no, but like the 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 guys. He's coming back. The guys loved Shane O'Brien. Yeah. When he was on the team, because at the time that he was there, some of them were starting to settle down with families, and their you know off ice lives were getting a little more quiet. So what you heard about that team is like, they were like, Shane, tell us about your night last night. Right. We're living vicariously through you. You need to hire a director of Roxy visits. Just someone to organize yeah. team outings. Well, you know. okay. here Could be players. You, you do bring up a, a kind of an interesting point. Because it, w- it would be funny, right? If that was like the intangible they were looking for. Like, no, is this guy a party animal? Okay, good. I'm glad you said intangible because you can't shoehorn it or pigeonhole into just being like the party guy. Yeah, sometimes there's Cake a stands for sixty. Every yeah, right. There's but on I've played on teams before, not to compare it to the professional level, but the guy in the room that ties it together isn't always the loudest. Or there's just guys that are good in the room. Sometimes yeah. they don't even know that they are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're either like guys. they're either just like they're inherently funny, or they got a really good sense of timing, or for some reason guys gravitate to them. Sometimes they they stink, and you're like you're on this team for no other reason other than you're good in the room. Right. Sometimes they're super selfless. Nobody dudes. has the heart to tell them to get off the team. They're right. Just too nice. Yeah. Or the, they're the guy that's like, if you need someone to sit around and finish off the cooler with, he's always going to be that guy. Right. Those guys are important. It's a team dynamic. Now, at the professional level, do you pay money for that? No, but maybe in rare exceptions like Reeves, you're willing to say he also brings this yeah. dynamic to the I table. I think you can be willing to pay money for it, but you got to you got to look at your team and go, this is the one thing we're missing. Right. I mean, I, That's I look, a good point. I look at the Leafs and I say, you know, if I'm using cap space, if I'm the Leafs, I'm I'm addressing that blue line. I'm telling you right now that blue line is going to become an issue for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. Give us a moo cow on that. Uh, let's print out the submissions now. Yes. What we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh! 
I watched a supercut of all the Lucille Bluth best mothering moments. Oh, amazing. Oh, God. I don't care for jokes. Some of the ones that she throws at her daughter are hilarious. <laughs> they were in a restaurant and they were doing the flambe thing, table side. She's like, careful, dear. Don't let your face get too close to that. <laughs> Uh, Iron Blair with what we learned. What I learned, it was too bad about Chubb, but Watson is still drinking bonehead water. Good try, but too many bad decisions again. Story of his career. Browns are going nowhere. Yeah, Deshaun Watson is not panning out for he the He looks Cleveland like a Browns. very pedestrian quarterback right now. Yeah. He, does, he looks like a shell of a guy that was a star in 2020. I don't know... How urgently Satyar Shah and the rest of Cleveland Browns fans are hitting the panic button because they're one and one. But consider right now, you've gone two weeks where your uh, highly, highly paid quarterback has not looked good. You just lost your star running back for the remainder of the season, and you weren't able to win a game in which Kenny Pickett, who's not good, by the way, that preseason was, I don't even want to say it was a mirage because the preseason should never be taken as a real thing anyway, mm-hmm. but. That was an entertaining game yesterday, but you lost to a, Cle- a a Pittsburgh team that basically got almost all their points on defense. Are the Ravens going to walk to a division title there? You got the Ravens at two and zero, oh, the that Steelers and the Browns at one and one. The Bengals are the wild card at zero oh and two. What did the Bengals do last year? Started zero oh and two, went to the AFC Championship. It's too 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 early to tell in that division. I don't like trying to handicap that division because they all beat up on each other so bad. Uh, Unsigned what we learned, people who have kids have more fruit flies than those who don't. It's been a terrible year for them in our house. Yeah, because kids leave stuff out all the time, constantly. They're the so, worst. Um, I hope you're listening, kids. I had to rectify an ant problem because of the kid. Here, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. We, drop have, an, some, we have an ant invasion every year. Yeah. I'm gonna drop some knowledge here. Uh, sh- I was talking to Shorty the other day in the midst of the fruit fly issue I was having because I left garbage out <laughs> in the kitchen, and he said I have uh, the perfect remedy for it the antidote and so what you do is you take a bunch of vinegar pour it in a cup Mm -hmm. then you pour sugar okay into the center of the vinegar okay and then you just leave the cup out i think i'm missing there's the type of vinegar that has sugar in it so what happens we've done that before it works it works yeah, like it. I hate. I thought you're gonna be like. So what we do is we set fire to that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> he's like, he's like, wait. It's called insurance, insurance fraud. Yeah, it, it, it was like wait overnight and see it in the morning. I was stunned at the amount of fruit flies that met their untimely demise. Oh, what, in works for mixture. wasps too. Yeah, it yeah. was it was remarkable. Leave it outside and they'll all. So get- there you go. A little vinegar, a little sugar. First you get the vinegar, then you get the sugar. Then you kill the food flies. <laughs> That's right. Burnaby Berto with a what we learned. Uh, the Davis Cup has lost tennis street cred, and international tennis has taken a hit too, according to Johnny Mac. That was pretty funny when he's like, nobody cares about the Davis Cup anymore. I'm like, didn't we just win that? Oh, come on, macaroni. <laughs> come on, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then he pointed out that he appeared numerous times for the U.S. in the Davis Cup. But I, yeah, I kind of remember that tournament being a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Was never going to reach lost some sponsorship recently. Yeah, and it was never going to reach the heights of the Ryder Cup because it was a you know a tournament that it dragged on for a long time. As it was the Ryder Cup's. Well, certain weekend, events yeah. sometimes just get the the short straw when whoever it is that makes the tennis calendar makes the tennis calendar. You know, John McEnroe was talking about. Golf, and I'll use the comparison, right? Sometimes you look at the Canadian Open and you're like, oh, that's a good week for it, Mm -hmm. right? And then sometimes when it's like the Canadian Open is the week after the British Open, right? Mm -hmm. Or the Open, and you're kind of like, okay, so guys are going to have to fly from, 
you know, the UK to, yeah. of course, is in Toronto the week after. Like, how's that going to affect the field? And I wonder if that's just happened with the Davis Cup. Well, I mean, look, the Davis Cup, the number one player in the world is Novak Djokovic. He's not there. Number two is Carlos Alcaraz. He's not there. Number three is Medvedev. Number four is Rune. They're not there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's because of the schedule. You know that all these guys want to be there because it's a, Federer's putting on this tournament. Yeah. Those guys respect Federer. They respect McEnroe. They respect Borg. And there is money to be made. But it's a, not a great time in, in the schedule. Jeff, for mission, what we learned, I learned I'm still laughing today about the idea of Columbus players photoshopping Babcock into family photos. I, yeah, that I, would be incredible. If a player had gotten a heads up yeah. that Babcock was doing this, and then you just like Photoshop, or you just have all pictures of like, here's Babcock winning, uh, getting his gold medal at the Olympics. Here's another, here's Babcock hoisting the Stanley Cup. You come like back from summer vacation and all these like poses in front of these famous monuments and just like, <laughs> Photoshop Babcock in there. Yeah, and Babcock's like, good. Here's, yeah. here's Babcock. Do you think Babcock has Babcock such a big Acropolis? Do you think Babcock has such a big ego? It's like probably a lot of people's phones are like that. <laughs> <laughs> Story checks out. Well, he um, would know. He checks them all. Well, <laughs> okay. Here, okay, and not to turn a funny conversation serious. God forbid. But yeah, come on. Man. Let's say hypothetically that uh, a guy took this chance and actually knew ahead of time that uh, oh, Mike's gonna look at my phone, and he did that. Imagine how nervous he would be that the gag would backfire because it's Mike Babcock. It would backfire. If it was Bruce Boudreaux, I think it would be even, it would be hilarious, right? It's like, here's Bruce in front of the big boy in Minnesota, right? Like, yeah, you, so you know, it'd be like, I have been there. Yeah, that actually is Bruce. <laughs> how did you get that photo, photo of It's not Photoshop. But anyway, <laughs> you know that if you pulled that gag on Boudreaux, he'd laugh, mm-hmm. right? But with Babcock, you're like, I, mean, I did this funny joke with Coach. Now I think I'm a healthy scratch. My career yeah. is over. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I'm, I, I'm up here in Robida Island or Caradoville yeah, or whatever uh, it's Frank called. Frank Carado just texted me. Yeah. He's like, you shouldn't have done that joke, man. Uh, he doesn't con- take you. He doesn't, get, he doesn't have humor. He doesn't get humor. Congratulations to Red Wing Ted. Uh, sometimes, it, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to winning things on the Halford and Brock show. Sometimes it's just a funny what we learned. Sometimes it is uh, a smart what we learned. This guy just made a good case. Red Wing 10, what we learned. I learned my 13-year-old son wants me to take him to Adam Sandler. I said, it's not on the cards unless I can win some tickets on my favorite morning radio show. So Red Wing 10. He didn't say which radio show, though. (laughs) He's still disappointed. (laughs) Oh, he's meant to send this to Sonic. Well, that's too bad. Anyway, Red Wing Ted, congrats to you. You and your son are going to see Sandler. Yes, Sandler on October 12th at Rogers Arena. We got to get out of here for today. Hopefully some of the equipment starts working tomorrow and there'll be fewer fruit flies. But for now, farewell, everybody. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.